How you doing, ladies and gentlemen? My name is Corey Bosmer, host of Conversations with Corey podcast, and also the person that runs a social media football page on Facebook and Twitter, known as Football of Kentucky DBA. Today's special guest is Lee Steinberg, the sports agent of current Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, and a person that's been in the industry for 40 years, if not longer. How you doing today, Lee? Just doing very well. Glad to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. So how did you go about becoming a sports agent and what made you get in the field? Well, there really was not a field back when I started in 1975. Teams still would hang up the phone and say, we don't deal with agent. There was no collective bargaining right of representation. So right. um, I went to UC Berkeley. I was student body president. Ronald Reagan was governor. And uh, I learned everything I needed to learn about the art of negotiating from interacting with him. Was later right. president. Uh, I was a dorm counselor in an undergraduate dormitory, and they moved the freshman football team into the dorm. And one of the students was the quarterback, Steve Bartkowski. And in January of 1975, they drafted him as the first overall pick in the first round. And I was choosing between law jobs and he asked me to represent him. So there I was brimming with legal experience. Uh, I had the first pick in the draft and we got the largest rookie contract in NFL history. And um, I wasn't sure whether I'd do it as a career, but yeah. my dad had two core values. One was treasure relationships, especially family. And second was make a meaningful difference in the world. And when I got down to Atlanta for the signing, I saw that athletes were the movie stars in these communities, that athletes were the highest profile figure. And I thought, you know what? I can accomplish push uh, the goal of making it a better world by asking these athletes to go back to the high school community that helped shape them, set up a scholarship fund or yep. boys and girls club, work the university that they came from, again, scholarship fund or uh, retrofit the weight room, and use the uh, leading business figures, political figures, and community leaders on a board to execute a charitable foundation at the pro level that um, speaks to an athlete's needs. So that convinced me uh, to do it. And and next year will be my 50th draft. I want to I want to ask you one question. I read recently that the uh, movie Jerry Maguire is loosely based on you. How much of that actually is about you, man? Well, uh, the writer director Cameron Crowe called me up in 1993 and asked if he could follow me around to pick up atmosphere and uh, for a film that would center on a sports agent. Okay. So I had seen a movie Movie that he wrote the book for called Fast Times at Ridgemont High that I thought was really funny. And so he came with me to the NFL draft in 93, where I had Drew Bledsoe was the first pick. He came to uh, the league meetings in Palm Desert, watched me walk around a free agent who was looking for teams. He came to Pro Scouting Day. He came to a series of games with me. He spent time in my office. And I told him stories, lots and lots of stories, Corey. And um, he then I was technical advisor, so we w went off and, and wrote the script, and then I had to vet it to make sure that authenticity seemed wow. in dialogue and in the background. And then he assigned me an actor named Cuba Gooding Jr. to take down to the Super Bowl in Phoenix, and 
I made him pretend he was a wide receiver client of mine all week to put him into role. And uh, I actually had to show the quarterback in the film played by Jerry O'Connell how to yeah. throw a spiral because he had gone to NYU and they didn't have a football program there. <laughs> so so it's been, you know, a good 25 years of walking out to dinner and going through airports and having people run up to me and say those four words or ask me to say it that start with show me the... <laughs> right. So having a movie more or less based on you, how does that make you feel? Oh, I hope that it had the uh, effect of humanizing agents and talking about the real caring that can go on in a relationship. And so, um, you know, it ended up being the highest grossing sports film until The Blind Side came out. And um, um, I, I thought it was effective. No, it was it was definitely it was definitely a good movie. So I want to talk to you about the state of football today. Now, being a man like yourself, being involved in the game as long as you have, where it was to where it is now, how much of a positive growth would you say you've personally seen and where do you see it going for years to come? So remember that back in 1975, each team as a chair of the national television contract got $2 million. Last year, that figure per team per season was $200 million. Oh. You now have these brand new stadia with uh, luxury boxes, naming rights, jumbo scoreboard. Um, you've got the whole internet and the way the content flows uh, off of that. If Rip Van Winkle had gone to sleep back in 1975 and awoke, he'd be in culture shock because the game has changed that dramatically. The athletes are bigger, stronger, faster. The game is passing. Um, and now 81 of the top 100 uh, highly rated Nielsen shows last year were NFL football. So it's dominating the country. Definitely, definitely. Over your course and years of, of career, what hurdles have you had to over, overcome? Um, well, again, uh, I had a practice where I'd profile the players and look for role models and self-starters and the rest of it. So that was the first hurdle because I was looking for a very narrow cut of athlete that a uh, good family, good self-starter and, and, and the rest of it. And um, uh, hyper-competitive uh, business, but, you know, I was able to somehow sign 64 first-round draft picks in football and the very first pick in the draft eight different years. And we have 12 players in the Hall of Fame and had a big baseball practice and, and some basketball and, and boxing and all, all sorts of it. Um, at a certain point, my biggest struggle in my life was with alcohol. And uh, I um, uh, finally came to the realization back in 2010 that I had a problem. And uh, so I focused on it, worked a 12-step program. And last month, I turned 13 years continuously sober. That's amazing. So you've been a friend of Bill's for 13 years, huh? 13 years. Uh, ain't nothing wrong with that. You know, it's crazy that you mention that is because, you know, at the end of the day, people like yourself and the and the clients that you represent, not just in football, people tend to forget that we're all human. We all deal with things. We all go through things. We all have struggles. So to hear from a person like you in your position, it, it, it'll probably help somebody out there realize that you're human. You know, we, we all make mistakes and we all go through stuff. Well, that, that's, that's a whole hope, Corey, that if somebody's out there and they're struggling because of a, a addiction of some yeah. sort, 
that they realize there's hope and your life can turn back around. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, we all, uh, one way or another, end up having to face our own demons. So for a person out there that's struggling, what other kind of advice could you give them when it comes to that? First of all, break denial, which is addiction, whether it's alcohol or drugs or food or gambling, is the disease that tells you you don't have a disease. So that that most people are, uh, I can handle this, I can handle this, as the consequences pile up. Second of all, that there are is a unique fellowship with a 12-step program out there that um, that can be helpful. And there's lots of people out there, but you have to first hit whatever personal bottom is yours to motivate you to do the work uh, to come back. Now, being sober for uh, just coming on 13 years, like anytime you feel like you may you have a struggle moment mentally or emotionally with it, what what like what holds you steady? What what brings you back? They say that if you play the tape out and you consider, okay, so I went ahead and had this drink or I, you know, uh, shot this drug, you're gonna feel good for a little while, but what will the consequence of that be? And it's to play it out to the end where you're going to end up right back where you were in the first place uh, before you started. Um, And um, uh, there comes a point if we're in addiction that the cravings go away. Until that happens, it's very, very difficult. But uh, after a couple of months, they go away. And so if you're willing to have a basic routine that does the work uh, to stay in a program, then uh, you have real freedom in your life to do whatever you like. Definitely, definitely. I want to ask you about uh, the players in this year's draft. Who's got your eye the most and who, like, who stands out the most to you? Well, I think you've got four quarterbacks at the top of the draft who all could go in the first round. Matter of fact, you could have one, two, three as quarterbacks. So, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's Bryce Young, it's uh, the quarterback from Kentucky, it's the Anthony Richardson, it's uh, the quarterback from C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. And what it's showing you is that the most critical position in the NFL right now is, is uh, uh, the franchise quarterback. And teams covet them, and there are not very many of them around. And so what happens in the draft is a quarterback could be lower rated than a position player, but a team will move up in the draft to take them anyway because they they desperately need to fill that position. Definitely, definitely. What advice, if you could give any advice, to Lamar Jackson and his unfortunate situation with the Ravens, what would you say? That uh, the first key is to keep the negotiations private. And mm. um, and if if you really want to be traded, don't, don't publicly ask for a trade. Because what happens then is that it puts your incumbent team in the position that every other team that would make a trade offer now knows that the Baltimore Ravens have damaged goods. So you don't want to play. Mm. And they make it hard to do a trade that would be um, respectable. Um, And so that's the thing. And second of all, 
Um, you've got two competing concepts here. One, you want to maximize compensation, as Jalen Hurts just did yesterday. But the second is, if you're a franchise quarterback, you want to go to the Super Bowl. So yep. you've got to be clever in the construction so it both maximizes revenue and puts the team in a situation where they still can surround you with a supporting cast. Definitely, definitely. So now I want to get to you, talk to you about Patrick Mahomes. Did you ever envision that your client would be the player that he is? I did. What I didn't envision was it would happen as fast as it did. So, <laughs> right. in other it happened words, very quick. Right. It happened when, very quick. Uh, because I was pretty sure he had freakish abilities in terms of being able to throw, that yeah. he was very bright, he was a good leader, and he was improvisational. All that I could see was going to make him stand out. But when he went out his first year and was MVP of the whole league, that's different. Yeah, you look around, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, because the first year is the year you, you, that most quarterbacks are throwing untimely interceptions, they're their play calling is screwing up. The game's really fast for them. It has to slow down and adjust. And to come out game one and throw four touchdown passes a couple weeks later, throw six. I mean, oh, my gosh. Does he know he's supposed to be a first-year player? Right, right, right. Now, there are people out in the media world that often, and I'm sure you've heard this just like Patrick has, that often say he's an athlete playing the position. What do you have to say to the people that say that? Because to me, from the outside looking in, from my own personal perspective, when a person says they're an athlete playing a position, that means to me that they're really not the position that they are playing. What do you say to folks that say that? That you got a brilliant young man with an eidetic memory who can remember every play he ever played, who spends enormous amounts of time studying playbook technique, keeping in uh, – trim all year long that he really is the epitome of the modern day quarterback in that he's a cup passer with escapability and um, uh, accurate and and uh, most importantly for that franchise quarterback you ask yourself okay so now we're down to the fourth quarter of the last drive the quarterback's throwing a couple interceptions the crowd is booing um the game's getting out of hand what does he do then does he have the ability to compartmentalize adopt a quiet mind and elevate his level of play in critical situations to take a team to and through victory and you know, you most recently saw that with him in the Super Bowl. Definitely, definitely. Got a few more things I'll ask you before we end this great conversation. I want you to stress to the masses, more or less, especially a, a modern-day athlete, how important it is in today's game and today's sports world to have representation a la an agent. I think that the concept of an agent has been defined as just negotiating client, uh, client's contract. But it's much more than that. It's, yep. first of all, listening and drawing out from that person how they feel about short-term economic gain, long-term economic security, spiritual values, geographical location, family, being a starter, being on a winning team, and uniquely understanding that. So it's looking at a player holistically. Um, 
being able to see what are the skills or talents they have outside of athletic ones that can take them into second career. It's mentoring them into how best to fit into their role, branding and marketing them. And the problem with negotiating yourself is my first client ever was Steve Bartkowski. And so I said, Steve, well, I'll, your life, I'll tell you anything you want to know in terms of discussions with the Falcon. But I'm they're going to say something that denigrates your skills, and you might not want to hear that. Oh, yes, I do. I want to hear everything Steve, Steve said. So anyway, in the, in the discussion, they said, well, in an ordinary draft, he might not have been the first player picked. It was a weak draft, and, um, you know, he's a little slow. We worry to get trapped in the pocket and on and on. So I relate all that to him, and he said, get me traded. So... There's a buffer uh, that goes into the relationship. And as I said before, even in terms of contract construction, it's having the experience of having done similar contracts and having creativity and the rest of it. So there's so many different roles. I haven't done my job correctly until someone's in the midst of a second career as a owner of a business, as a media figure, as um, president of a team, as a coach. So there's so much that goes into it that if you have the right relationship, then it's uh, a real boon to your life. Definitely, definitely. Being in the sports world and being open about addiction, overcoming certain things in life, what's something else you've had to overcome that some people may not know about um i think the uh, uh struggling with alcohol was uh was uh, a big part of it i'm mildly claustrophobic so being in the middle like like in a plane of like a five seat row where you're flying across the country to hawaii not my favorite thing um so um uh uh, as long as I have an aisle seat, I'm in good shape. Funny story that you, or funny that you should mention that. I don't know if I would classify myself as claustrophobic, but if I go anywhere, like concert, show, movie, gotta be an aisle seat. I'm not trying to fight uh, people. Let me get out. Is, there are no more seats that ever are available for me than an aisle. All right. <laughs> definitely, definitely not. <laughs> it's all about the aisle. Definitely, definitely. If you could give one piece of advice out there to folks about life, sports, whatever, what would it be and why? To do an internal inventory of what really is important to you. The one we talked about with the athletes to understand mm-hmm. how important is spirituality, how important is family, how important is uh, geographical location, how important is uh, the corner office for short-term dollars or long-term dollars. Have a clarity as to what you're doing and to understand at the end of life, what you'll be left with is the quality of the relationships you have. Were you a good husband, a good father, a good son, a good brother? Um, Were you kind to your friends? Um, And then what you gave to other people. And that's what you leave the world with. And the rest of it, material things, newspaper clippings, all of it will fade. Last thing, how does Lee Steinberg want to be remembered? When his time on earth is done, how does Lee want to be remembered? Oh, to the extent that's relevant, um, um, someone who cared, who tried to make a difference in the world in a positive way, 
um, both through personal relationships and larger projects. And one more thing. I want to ask you about Aaron Rodgers. I don't, I'm surprised it's just now it hit me. From the outside looking in, being an agent and being intertwined with organizations for as long as you have, to me, what that would rub me the wrong way, like seeing it. It's like dragging it out. What's your thoughts on the situation with him and the Packers and how he is handling it? We don't really know behind the scenes whether the hang-up is Correct. the Jets, whether the hang-up is the Packers, whether the hang-up is Aaron Rodgers. So it's really hard to to know. Um, ordinarily, you'd say if you're going to do a quarterback change, you want to do it early in the offseason so that guy has a chance to adjust. In Aaron's case, um, having played so many years, I'm sure that this trade probably happens in anticipation of the draft. So there's draft picks um, involved with it. And um, uh, nobody does anything in football till there's a deadline. And the deadline for making a trade that will have draft picks in it is the draft. And so, uh, and I think he'll be just fine. He's played so long that, that you give him May and June and July to prepare, you know, he's Aaron Rodgers. Right. Lee, I want to thank you for your time, sir.